It takes an enormous amount of planning and energy to create a new car color, anywhere from two to three years. On AutoLine this week, our panel of experts discuss everything from how color will play a role with autonomous cars to how it can affect the way people feel about a vehicle they're driving. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, in the automotive industry, color plays a huge role. If you buy a new car, the first thing anyone's going to ask you about it is, what did you buy? Second question they're going to ask you is, what color is it? Well, sometimes, though, in the auto industry, color does not get the respect it deserves. On today's show, we're going to change that all around. I've got three experts in color, including Nancy Lockhart, who's the color marketing manager for Exalta. Jane Harrington is the global color styling manager for PPG. And Paul Chorney is the head of color design for BASF North America. Great to have the three of you here. Thank you. Thank you. What I hinted at, if sometimes color doesn't get the respect it deserves, is, as you all know, if you go out and look at the cars driving by, overwhelmingly, they're black or white or silver or some shade of gray. And yet you guys put your heart and soul into color. And I'm wondering, are we going to see a change? Will color get more respect? Nancy, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I think, you know, some of those trends that you're talking about, these neutrals, really didn't start until around 2001. So when we looked at silver, when it became the most popular from 2001 to 2006, it brought all those other neutrals up with it. Before that, we had lots of color in our, um, in our spectrum. But color is coming back, and even though we have this um, vast amount of neutrals on the road, it's those um, colors on the road, like the bright reds and the blues, that get noticed the most. Yeah, Jane, your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And also, if you think about it, white, black, silver, and gray are offered on every single vehicle segment. So that's a little bit why those colors you see so many of them because they're on you're, they're considered core colors. But you're at, actually right now you're starting to see this increase in reds and blues and the chromaticity of those colors. That's great, and Paul. You know. Uh, this white, black, gray, whatever. It, it's a global phenomenon. It's not just here in the U.S. So why do you think everybody has commonized on those? Yeah, I think uh, when uh, people are purchasing cars, uh, they tend to uh, try to mirror themselves uh, through their car color selection and also uh, be accepted in certain areas uh, of, of their neighborhoods and society. And I think uh, the color choice reflects that. And uh, people tend to see things very similarly in terms of car ownership. I think one of the problems, too, at least in the U.S. market, is that, as you all know, the cars on the lot were ordered by dealers. Mm -hmm. You know, Americans, by and large, do not have a car built for them. They just go and buy what's ever on the lot. And dealers want to have something safe that they know is going to sell, so they mm -hmm. go with kind of neutral colors. I, I wonder if there's a, a way of getting more interest in color. A any thoughts in those regards? Um, I was going to say, we've done some consumer surveys. You know, we've done, been in open-air malls and, you know, showed a palette of colors. And I would tell, you know, people that would come up to do the survey, you know, most vehicle lines have eight to ten colors. And they'd be like, really? I only saw five when I went to the dealership. So part of it is maybe the consumer is not exposed to the color full scale. You know, if you see a small chip, it's like, hmm, cars are very expensive, it's hard for me to make a decision based off a small chip. You know, if they see it larger scale, that may give them more of an opportunity to see what, what the color would look like or how it can really enhance a vehicle style. Mm -hmm. 
But Paul, you, you think color is making a comeback? I think so. I think um, we're going to see a continued uh, advance of diverse set of color palettes. And I think uh, technology is going to evolve in the sense that we're going to create um, not only more colorful colors, but the neutral colors are going to become more expressive. We're going to use innovations there to make them more beautiful. And okay, yeah, i, I got to stop you. How do you make a neutral color more expressive? Well, there's a lot of different ways. Um, I think if you look back to what white colors were uh, 10, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. they were basically solid white colors. You can make them a little bit brighter or a little bit dirtier. But with the advent of special paint layering and the advent of effect pigments, you can create these beautiful satiny pearlescent type whites that everybody is just clamoring for. Oh, very interesting. I agree. And, you know, a lot of those um, multi-coat processes or things that uh, were done to enhance those color spaces were really targeted for the luxury market. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very much aimed at the baby boomers, where now we're going to see the millennials really um, have a large voice in where color goes. And what they like is what a lot of what you're going to see on the road. Oh, very interesting. Uh, a difference in demographics could shift color as well. Absolutely. What, what are designers asking for these days, car designers? What are they coming to your companies and saying, here's what we want? Well, every year we have an annual trend show. And so they're looking, what maybe some of your um, audience doesn't realize, they have to choose their colors two to three years before they're actually in the market. And, you know, so they look at everything from fashion to interior design to architecture to consumer electronics. So they're looking so far ahead. Everything is very inspirational to them. But because they have to plan so far ahead, having a connection to these consumer markets is, is really um, gives them an idea of what future trends will look like for automobiles and how could we take this green that we're seeing in this industry and make it unique for the automotive market. So that's where our job comes in. Okay, Agreed. I'm sure people that are outside of the auto industry go, what, two to yeah. three years <laughs> to know. get a color? Why? Why does it take that long? Um, do you want me to? Sure, go ahead. Okay, I don't want to. Have um, them jump in too. Okay, but. well, there are a lot of matching. Everything has to match. Everything has to be coordinated. Um, and if you think about it, you know, you say two to three years out, but the automotive industry is a little bit complex. So right now it's the 2018 calendar year, but some 2019s are going to start to hit the road. So there's a lot of coordination between um, the exposure work we have to do to make sure if those, if those uh, paint systems are going to, you know, last 10 years. That's what's required by the automotive industry. If all the parts are going to coordinate, because not everything is painted in the same plant. Um, where it's going to go globally, so that takes a lot of planning. A lot of testing. Yeah, there's sure. a lot of engineering behind all of the coatings, and I think maybe it's interesting for your audience to consider what actually is on their cars to protect it. So the coating is about the width of a human hair, maybe a little bit less than that, mm -hmm. and it's mostly organic, and it's expected to protect the car for up to 10 years. So we have to do a lot of engineering, and then the sophistication with color matching and all the add-on parts have to match just perfectly for that high investment to really be a pleaser. Mm -hmm. Right. It's high durability, and um, it's also the largest surface area on the car, so it has to have the most aesthetic appeal, right? It's uh, what you first notice mm -hmm. when you walk up to the car. But then the other thing that plays into those trends in determining what colors are going to be going forward is they only have so many colors per palette, and so they have to um, make sure that they have enough colors for all of their um, car lines. And as you can see, today is a very dynamic time in the automotive industry. Vehicles are changing. 
in North America, the truck market is uh, increasing and we're looking at what is going to happen with autonomous vehicles and ride sharing. And so the types of vehicles and the architecture of the vehicle is going to play a big part in what colors get chosen. I'm sure you all love this shift to trucks in the American market. Trucks are bigger. They, they, they take more paint. How, how much paint goes on a vehicle? Oh, it's very... OEM dependent. Um, it could be just a few small gallons of paint that actually get onto the vehicle, depending on um, you know the process and their pathing and such. Mm -hmm. yeah, how it's applied and the scale of the vehicle, you know, that all takes into play. Well, even a few gallons. You know, I've lifted up you know gallons of paint. They're they're kind of heavy. Do, do automakers actually come to you at all, saying, can you come up with lighter weight paint? Is there such a thing as that? Well, I think a lot of it is. Um uh, driven by the automakers and also regulations. Um, we want to make sure that uh, we are um, sustainably driven, so you want to have higher solids coatings. And of course, uh, the amount of paint that goes on, you want to have just the right amount to fulfill all of those engineering requirements. So sure, there's a lot of things in play like that. Paul, when you say more solids in the paint, what do you mean? That means the, uh, the, the amount of solid material as opposed to the liquid volatile material that's that's in a a wet gallon of paint it varies it's uh, been improving over the years a long time ago the solids content the percent non-volatile things going into the atmosphere was much higher than it is today yeah that, that, that's a good point uh, some paints at least in the past i don't know where it stands now you couldn't even get at least in the u.s because they could not meet the emission standards of this mm. these volatile organic compounds that were uh, evaporating into the mm. atmosphere at the paint plant uh, do we have those kind of limitations today or have the paint companies overcome that no there yeah there's limitations gonna, yeah absolutely. unfortunately um every region has its own um, set of environmental regulations. So um, you could have different cans of paint in different regions for the same color. Um, and you could also have different processes, right? Paints are very efficient now, especially with the processes that are in place, like these consolidated processes that take out some of the baking steps. So you use less energy. Um, but regardless, if there's one color that's a global color, it has to be matched in any process, in any plant mm -hmm. around the world. So you have to make any of those regulations or rules apply um, to one color. And, and now we're starting to understand why it takes two to three years to get a color on a car <laughs> because of that complexity. Uh, I had asked before, uh, what are designers asking for? And I got you guys off track. But Jane, let's start with you. What do you really see coming? Well, they want, each of them has their own brand strategy. Uh, for example, like I said, we have a color show every year and we present a palette of colors that's, you know, forward thinking, it's, it's trend setting. And I know for a fact that they're not going to select exactly the colors that we developed because they'll want to put their own, you know, brand um, strategy behind it. So they might say, we like that blue. However, we'd like it lighter, darker. We'd like the flake to be silkier looking, or we'd like to be have it more sparkle. So there's always that design aspect of it. So our goal every year is to show them what is new and innovative in different consumer markets, and then have them come back to us with what they'd like and how they'd like it tuned for their specific 
you know, their specific vehicle. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And uh, what what uh, we do as designers is we have to understand the market, and we look to that years ahead of time, looking at the obvious things like what's trending in fashion or in textiles or in architectures, but we're also looking at abstract things too, things that we have to tease out where color directions might be going. And then we show that in the trend shows and then the car makers have to work together with us. Uh, it may have to be modified for a certain amount of sparkle or it may have to be changed to fit a brand style or even a car body style. So all of these things play into the selection of the colors that go into the palette. Agreed. And then also, you know, you're looking at it with a very fine eye. So um, someone may not uh, realize the nuances that you're looking at when you're looking at color, like the sparkle and the hue and the travel and things that are very technical. But um, we try and also kind of map out as far as a color gamut, where has color been and where have we never been before so that we can move outside of those areas and, and go into new spaces. Um, but even with that, I see that some of the trends are people are looking backwards and going and looking at some of the retro colors and trying to look back and say, well, you know, I may have had this color on a vehicle before. How can I refresh it? And it brings back mm -hmm. that buyer again to be like, oh, I remember I had a car in, mm -hmm. you know, the 90s and mm -hmm. now I have this color back and it looks uh, very similar. So some of that happens as well. You have the extreme high technology new spaces and then refreshing the old spaces. Refreshing, but meeting the new regulations and all of the different application processes that we've been talking about too. Right, right, and adding something unique to an to an older color, you know, to mm -hmm. make it look new and, and innovating. So you get that kind of vehicle heritage behind it, but then you add kind of today's nuances to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you go to fashion shows. I imagine you go to furniture shows. You probably pay attention to consumer electronics. Yes. How do you know what's actually going to work? I'm yeah. sure you go to some of these shows and you think, what are they thinking? That's crazy. There's nothing like automotive paint, right? Yeah, I mean, you can look true. at all those textiles. You can look at all those different products, but there's nothing like automotive paint. And when you look at a vehicle and walk around and see it dance in the sun and see the color movement and the depth of it, right? So that that especially when you have multi-layering effects, mm -hmm. like a tint coat or something. Um, but probably one of the, the bigger things that you see in today's trends is the, the trend towards maybe like finer, silkier flakes, which was something that we had in the past. And then in North America, we moved to some of these coarser flakes. Um, kind of the silkier look is more of a luxurious trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and again, thinking of um, a vehicle as being such an iconic you know, like you have your, your great models here. You know, we were talking about older car design. So being able to complement that with the right color and just that unique special effect, whether it's a silky flake or whether it's a solid color or something more ceramic where you just see a bit of sparkle can really help the architecture of that vehicle really shine through. Yeah, and it's all those subtleties that, that really add to the research that we've done to try to identify where color directions are going and that's how we can still stay creative in black, white and silver grays because there's always something new coming out, there's always a new idea, there's a way to generate a beautiful color out of that space. Mm -hmm. How's your track record of going to these shows and have you looked at a color that you thought, nah, this has no chance of going anywhere and get surprised that it does? or? Are you pretty good at picking out what's going to really be popular? Well, um, from 
a PBG standpoint, um, so I work with, well, not only are we automotive paint, but we're architectural, industrial, and aerospace, so we kind of have our own internal color marketing group where we talk about what's being done in other consumer markets, and that helps us build where we see some commonality globally across those different markets, which means uh, consumers are going to be more exposed to that color, and, and, and then there's ways that we can do it in automotive that they can't do it in other markets like architectural, for example, because we can add you know, unique flakes mm -hmm. or higher sparkle or a silkier look or something that looks more opaque on one angle and then have a high sheen on another angle. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and then um, even going back to uh, the comment about white, mm -hmm. uh, when it started to take off, there were other sectors that were really moving forward uh, with white in a new connotation. So um, there was the new context of white as a link to technology, whereas it had always yeah. been very silver yep. oriented. And then all of a sudden white took off in textiles, textiles for sporting goods, for example, things that were sort of on the cutting edge mm -hmm. for something new and exciting. And then cars naturally followed. We have to change the way the public saw the color white because it was always associated with service vehicles, mm -hmm. for sure. example. Yes. So a way to make a car look sophisticated, beautiful, luxurious, and of course very dynamic, had to be tied in closely to our white developments. And now it's the most popular color in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I would always say too, if you, if you come to a color show and you like all the colors, then we didn't do our job. Because you're really trying to uh, look at the world market. And although the globalization of the automotive market really um, shows in our color popularity and uh, the trends are very similar globally, um, every region does have their own little nuances in what and preferences that they like. And so you are trying to hit upon each one of those regional preferences when you see uh, the color show and make sure that you're hitting the entire audience and all the different types of vehicles, whether it be small or large or um, you know, a, a transit type vehicle where it's taking um, multi-use uh, purpose vehicle, anything like that, you want to be able to hit all the markets. And so you have to have a large array of colors in order to do that. <laughs> One of the trends I've seen at auto shows over the last five years is this satin finish. Mm -hmm. So th there, there's no depth of gloss to it whatsoever. It, it tends to be uh, an option, a very expensive option, on some high-end European cars. Mm -hmm. Do you see that uh, ever going anywhere, more to the mass market or not? So matte finishes is, is what we refer to that as, and mm -hmm. I would say it's, it's niche. However... Um, at, at a lot of the auto shows, it's on concept vehicles, which get a lot of press, so it gets some notoriety. And um, there, there are some in the market, but you said that it's a very expensive option. I, I want to say three to five thousand dollars right. just for a that. Absolutely, it's it's very expensive. Yeah, I don't see it going away, but I don't see it really coming into the fact that you're going to look across the roads one day and see that all the cars are matte. Um, very much a growing market in the you know, small um, mirrors or small pieces on the vehicle, but as far as the whole vehicle goes, it seems to stay as a niche market. And it looks good in some colors, but not all, right? So, And not only that, you have to be careful when you usage. wash it, because if you, you rub too hard, you'll polish it, and all of a sudden right. it'll look yeah, terrible. You definitely have to have <laughs> special considerations for that. But for years, we were working only with colors and, and high gloss, and then um, to play with the gloss level offered a different dimension Absolutely. for us. And you could take uh, the same color 
if you will, and have it glossy and then have it matte, and it gives you a very different expression. So it gives a different feeling and a different connection to the consumer. And now we're also looking at texture. So gloss, texture, in addition to color, are some of the tools that we're looking at as designers to expand the choices for the market. Another trend that we're seeing right now is a little bit of a return of two-tone paint jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, the new Jeep uh, Compass and the mm -hmm. Toyota Camry both offer two-tone paint jobs as options. The new Volvo XC40 is another one. Mm -hmm. w what do you all think of that? That's great. Yeah. I think this is wonderful. <laughs> this is something that could really open up um, a whole world for designers and being able to add color and different um, types of solutions for vehicles. I think this market will grow, and I think the consumer will latch onto it um, as a customization option for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think giving the consumer more options and the way they're breaking up, um, it's not the traditional way we used to do two tones. You know, you take the roof of the A, B, and C pillar and then some of the lower and swoop it around like BMW and um, well, Bugatti, but I mean, some things that are very unique designs. I think that's also changing the way color plays on a vehicle and, and kind of gives it more distinction. So that's definitely something I see growing as well. Yeah, it's another great tool for us to have. Whereas um, a challenge for us is that we're usually working with a single color mm -hmm. that goes on this large surface area, as you mentioned. And to get that to look uh, to where it shows off the contour lines mm -hmm. or the car body style and shape is oftentimes very challenging, but that's why we have metallic coatings because that helps add to that other dimension to it. Um, but to have a two-tone gives us an additional tool. We have now what graphic designers have, right? Mm -hmm. We're able to juxtapose colors. The I think nice that's a great point, Paul, because uh, in the three vehicles that I cited, it changes the styling totally. look of the car. Totally. It's not yep. just a different paint, but yep. to, to your point, it highlights different contours yep. and mm -hmm. styling lines in the vehicle. Yeah. Sorry, Nancy. Oh, just, it does. Yeah. And, and I think it also adds another component to color harmony on the car and what, what all is going on the outside. If you're adding another color, then you have to look as to what's going on inside the car, too. So it just it mm -hmm. brings it all full circle. When you open the door, you want to make sure that all those components are harmonizing. Big trend that we see in the industry right now is this move to autonomous cars mm -hmm. and to ride sharing and ride mm -hmm. hailing with mm -hmm. Uber and Lyft and mm -hmm. the like. Does color play a role in this move to autonomy and mobility? Yeah. It should, yeah. I mean, you want your car to be detectable. You want your car to be seen. Um, so there's um, science to be able to understand what colors are more detectable than others. But at the same time, there's not a lot of regulation on what is going to be used for this um, autonomous vehicle or, you know, what LIDAR system, what, what is the length mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So the regulations have to be set place so that the chemistries and the targets can be set. But um, I think color will always play a role in the science and appeal of the vehicles. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, so coatings or paint the exterior will not only be a protective decorative coating, but it also will have to have some functionality to it because, as Nancy was saying, LiDAR has to be able to detect, you know, what's around it. And, you know, so you want a paint that's actually more reflective of radar and laser? Correct. And um, so right now, darker colors, have there's an issue with that, but um, through um, through other technologies, we can make um, other layers more reflective. So we don't want to limit our customers and their, or, you know, the uh, OEMs and, and what they want to design. And also 
coatings for lenses, uh, you know, because, you know, bad snowstorm, salt, dust, everything, easy to clean surfaces, antibacterial, um, you know, smudge proof, glare, you know, glare, all that is important. So those will all need coatings and like consumer electronics, that's part of our business as well. So those are other coatings besides being color, you know, so um, coatings becoming more, a little bit more functional. Yeah, the functionality of the coating becomes increasingly functional. I mm -hmm. totally agree with that. And the other thing about color is the psychology of color takes on a different role now because um, some of the more recent surveys are saying that a lot of people are nervous about autonomous oh, vehicles definitely. on the road. So yeah. <laughs> color can be used actually to calm people down or to bring an added measure of safety that the car becomes more detectable. And it also helps branding. Like uh, if, if cities now start to go to um, fleets of colors, then detection for people hailing uh, robo-taxis and the like become much more facile. Oh, so, so you got to keep going. How do you make people feel more comfortable about autonomous cars simply in the color? Well, I think, I think the interiors are going to play a bigger role. And uh, I mentioned texture earlier, and mm -hmm. I think the haptic of color as well as the visual is going to play a big role to help ease people into this new world of um, mobility with, with uh, self-driving cars. I think it's there, and I think color can be used for that. It's used uh, for that in, in, in other markets already, and I think uh, for autonomous driving, it's a good fit. So the functionality and also the psychology of color, in addition to protection and the aesthetics are all playing a role. Wow, fascinating. The psychology of color. I never even thought about any anything to add to, to what Paul said on well, just mobility? That interior, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So just that interior environments are going to be more inviting, you know, more, more like a home space. So maybe more, more use of um, materials and color that, you know, would make the person riding in the vehicle feel a little bit more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And there could be different interpretations on how they be seen, right? So if they feel that they're being safer by driving a car that they're seen in more easily, is it because it's more reflective, like a white, or is it because maybe it's bright and colorful, mm -hmm. like a yellow? So um, how people interpret that will be interesting to see. The um, idea of um, going under the radar is not something that will be mm. applicable right. yeah. to that um, set of uh, vehicles. So what do you think? Is it it's going to be bright cars? I think What's the future is bright. Bright and colorful is what I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's still going to be unique options, you know, depending on brands. Very good. Yeah. And I think uh, people are going to uh, divide into groups, those that um, uh, want to own a car and are going to pay for it. And they're going to want something really special, uh, maybe something unique, individualized colors, for example. Real good. With that, we're going to have to wrap it up. The psychology of color and the role it could play in mobility. I love this, but I got to thank Nancy Lockhart, Jane Harrington, and Paul Chorney. Thanks so much for coming in and Thanks, talking Jen. color with Thanks. us. Thank, thank you, you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you.